You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be the host of the show. Joining me, as always, is my awesome co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how the hell are you today? <laughs> I can tell you are just waking up. Thanks to time zone. <laughs> you are still more awake than these Rough Riders or Ottawa Red Blacks were this week. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, we're just gonna get right into it. One of my big takeaways from last week is... I don't see how there cannot be any fan in the West that is not disappointed this week. For one reason or another, BC had the game, threw it away. Uh, Saskatchewan, even if they still... I mean, this team still could throw it away. They could still throw away this playoff spot. Even if they make the playoffs, they're going to be that team that backs into the playoffs, which you never really want in football at any level. You don't want to be that team backing into the playoffs. Uh, you know, here's Calgary. Okay, they have the bye week, but still they're looking at this and saying, our team has been degenerating for the past couple of months. And, of course, you have Edmonton, who was eliminated from the playoffs. So... <laughs> I don't feel like there's a lot of life out there, you know, as opposed to. Well, the there East, is one fan base that's feeling pretty good. Which is? Winnipeg. Calgary. <laughs> Winnipeg. First, <laughs> first yeah. in the West, unless something really weird happens at this yeah. point. Yeah. So. Yeah. What a game that was, too, huh? Game of the year. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't the most artistic game I've ever seen, mm. but it, it just kept coming. Yeah. So really many up. chances for Winnipeg just to take an off ramp on that game. Mm-hmm. And they just kept flooring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just really a compelling matchup for so many reasons. Uh, did want to go in order here. So just to say for, I mean, not much to say about this one, except Edmonton is out. Uh, Toronto Argonauts 35 Edmonton Elks, just 12 um, for me. The most important part of this game was before the game. I just wanted to say, as a sports history guy, um, this, of course, marked the 150th anniversary of the Toronto Argonauts Football Club. I mean, again, this is a team that was a club before football existed, (laughs) beginning as a rugby club. But as a sports history guy, I just wanted to put this into perspective a little bit, uh, that when the Toronto Argonauts first started playing football what so in 1873 um just wanted to you know give some stats here at that time california uh, california canada itself was 10 years old in america the civil even war even less <laughs> yeah even exactly, less. exactly. Six. right uh at that point the civil war in america had been over for 8 years So basically, modern America was about eight years old. Uh, Never mind no cars, no telephones. The first patent for the radio was less than a year old. 
at this time. And of course, in America, the Transcontinental Railroad was still many years from completion. Uh, the first organized hockey game was still two years away. The first organized professional league in North America, the National League in baseball, was three years away. And even, even the first international cricket test match was four years away. These are the sports with some of the oldest history in the world, okay, as far as organization goes. Um, the entire population of Canada was, was what was this? Oh, okay, it was just under 4 million, and the population of Toronto was under 100,000. The population of Vancouver at that time was around 8,000. Today, today, Canada has, what, 40 million, and Toronto has 2.5 million. So just to give some perspective, just an absolutely incredible uh, phenomenon is the Toronto Argonauts. So I just wanted to give a yeah, shout-out. And, 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 so, and just to keep going with the Canadian history theme, Manitoba and BC were still toddlers. <laughs> Alberta and Saskatchewan didn't exist. Mm. I mean, as as actual legal entities, I mean, they were there, but they weren't. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. They weren't incorporated. Yeah. Right. The uh, Somebody dropped this statistic after the last Stanley Cup that, uh, you know, Las Vegas Golden Knights won. And uh, at the time of the formation of the Stanley Cup, and again, this is, you know, a good 20 years after Toronto Argonauts were formed, um, the population of Las Vegas was around 70. <laughs> and of course, now it's a top, what, 20 city in the United States. So again, like 150 years is a long time, particularly in the modern day when teams are moving all over the place uh teams end uh traditions like for example in football the baltimore colts mean next to nothing when you can just ship the team out to another you know, city so you know it's just wow it's just again just blown away by the fact that here is a sports team that has been around longer than most sports leagues in fact all sports leagues to be to be serious uh so congratulations to them now as for the actual game itself uh not much to say here um argos look like the argos uh, again they're in the enviable enviable position of being able to play guys like mcmahon who finally scored a touchdown from halfback after me having him on my fantasy team for about three four weeks now that I'm eliminated from the playoffs, yeah, now he does something. Um, I did want to say that this is probably Trey Ford's first game where he looked like a human being, uh, notwithstanding that 50 touchdown pass to uh, David Cobb at the end of the first half, which was typical Trey Ford magic. Um, okay, so Edmonton is looking forward to next year. How do you like the Elks next year? So they took two years to be a long-term training camp more than where we thought last year was going to be that way. This year also turned out to be that way. Although things finally started to stabilize mm -hmm. even slightly before mid season, but the quarterback change happened or, and the OC change happened around mid season. Right. 
but it's clear that Jones has his team now. He has his, and I think we thought this in the off season too, but now it's clear he has his guys in place. They're going to be able to make some additions this off season and try to build off of that. They'll probably lose a player or two of that from that base, but they're not going to be going full full scramble mode to field a competent roster anymore. They're there. They're not winning yet, but they're not as far from winning as they were last year. And with some of the competition in the division who will be blowing everything up, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they send a nice chance to, to finally, after this year, when it took them, what, 10, 10 games to win a game after this year, when they finally broke a very embarrassing uh, home winless streak, um, it'll be nice for their fans next year to actually be competitive, which I think we already expect them to be, uh, regardless of what the riders and the stamps do in the off season. Uh, Got to like the Elks chances next year. Um, right. Okay. So here it is. Here's the big one. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers 34, BC Lions 26, overtime. Um, I don't know. For me, okay, what was your, what did you take away from this game? I mean, um, obviously, Winnipeg seemed to be on a bit of a downturn the last few weeks, but they shut me up. They shut their critics up, at least for another couple of weeks. Uh, got one step closer to icing that number one seed in the West. Um, what, uh, if anything, what were your takeaways from this game? I've officially changed my mind on what the best route of what the best route is to take in overtime. Okay, hit me. Conventional wisdom says if you win the toss, you take defense because you want to know what the other team has scored so your offense can match it. Right. I hate it. <laughs> and it, it's finally time for me to just admit I want the ball first. I want to be the team, especially when I got the momentum. But I want to be the team that's putting the other team under pressure. When you have the ball first in overtime, if you make a mistake, you lose the ball or kick a field goal, you still have a chance to win the game with your defense. Maybe not much of one, but it's on the table. If you go on defense first, you're the team that's under pressure because the other team is the other team's got the first crack. So the pressure is on at that point to stop them as best you can, hold them to a field goal, and then hope your offense will score. You give up that touchdown, your offense now has the entire game on the on their shoulders. I'd rather go first. I'd rather be the team putting the pressure on than the team that has the pressure in overtime. I like that philosophy, especially since once again, Hamilton has shown that no one makes halftime adjustments like these guys. Right now. <laughs> um, and speaking of pressure, I'm glad you brought up that too. One of the things that really struck me about this game is, wow, this is a game that shows you how statistics can lie. Mm -hmm. right? You look at this game and uh, everybody's making much out of the fact that uh, the Lions took four sacks, that Adams was sacked four times in the first half. However, you know, the Lions went in with the halftime lead. 
right? And the thing is, what really struck me was, okay, so ever since the back-to-back losses to Saskatchewan and Hamilton, BC has gone to basically shotgun snap all the time. Basically, almost every play is coming out of shotgun snap. Uh, there was a lot of talk on CFL Twitter and you know even in the mainstream media about how the BC offensive line was kind of exposed in those games. And so now they're going to the full-time shotgun, and it's working out pretty well. BC has a lot of quick receivers. They're able to get those guys out. If you give Vernon enough time to scan that field, he'll find his receivers, which he did in the first half of this game. But then... In the second half, one sack in the second half, one sack in the overtime, one sack in the second half, but BC was just, you know, he was letting them throw. He was letting them do it. They just dropped back into coverage. Actually, a much smarter thing to do, despite what you think. (laughs) It's counterintuitive, but it actually worked out really well. And again, like I say, you know, they come out of that locker room 20 to 10, In the second half, besides that long pass at the very end, the 65-yarder, not quite a touchdown, 62 yards passing. They gave Adams all the time in the world, and it didn't matter. Except they weren't doing that. Um, I'm taking a little bit of a different different view of what, what happened here. Okay, They were getting the sacks on first down in the first half. That is true. Second down, they would go to just a shell. They would drop back into a deep zone, give Adams all the time in the world on second, and either 10 or 12 or 15, whatever, and gave him all the time in the world. Once they realized him sitting in the pocket all day like that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work, the, the shell wasn't gonna work, they adjusted and they did it even before halftime, but it was obvious but by the beginning of the third quarter that something had changed they started sending more pressure causing adams to get rid of the ball faster and they changed up their back again to be tighter on the receivers and that's what changed the game they didn't get home as much but they didn't have to because they weren't giving adams all day on second down and going okay here you go they continued to apply pressure throughout the second half right and that yeah. was your difference because you can you can sacks don't now the number of sacks don't necessarily accurately reflect the type of pressure you're getting right like you were mentioning statistics can lie i just think we have a couple of different takeaways from what we're seeing here well the thing was i don't want to say so much as that they weren't putting pressure on him but they weren't over pursuing which is what that's I saw exactly the, it yeah they kept what him I saw in the first half. they kept right but they kept him in the pocket Mm, right and made him and and made him feel pressured in the pocket instead of going for the money shot or laying back in coverage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you had to like the stick-to-itiveness by winnipeg as well uh caleros took a couple of ridiculous hits in that fourth quarter generated Mm -hmm. a couple of turnovers uh He's got to be having nightmares about Matthew Betts <laughs> after that. Name me a quarterback court. in this league that doesn't. Right. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, Betts but has had a been, hell of a year. He's had a hell of a year. Winnipeg's uh, been struggling to finish the drives lately, though. They've scored 31 last week and yeah. 34 this week. 
but they've also been moving the ball at such a clip that those scores are low for the yardage they're putting up because they're not finishing drives. They're making turnovers at inopportune times and they're finishing a lot of drive with field goals, which should tell you how well this offense is moving the ball. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, um, Okay, also from the statistics lie department, um, despite how well Winnipeg played in that second half, particularly on defense, uh, they might have lost this game on the last play. Uh, Dominic Rimes. Dominic Rimes gets the ball, has 75 yards to go, makes it 65. Um, what, What did you think of this play? Because the reaction out of TSN and the reaction online was pretty interesting. Of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And so a lot of people were saying, Oh, he should have run out of bounds. However, in real time, I'm sure you were watching the game in real time. TSN color is saying he's going to score. <laughs> you know, He had that wide open field and they thought he was going to score. And it was very easy for them to say afterwards. Oh yeah. He had time to run out of bounds. But he thought he had the touchdown. Um, are, do you want to second guess Dominique Grimes, Joe? No, I don't actually. I, I, it's interesting coming from a guy wearing blue that benefited from this. But right. unless you have a chance to, if there's a timeout before the play or something, they didn't really have a chance to gather on and say, hey, guys, remember, there's seven seconds on the yeah. clock. Yes, game awareness is a really nice thing to have. On the other hand, I don't know if I want to coach the instinct of a player to go score a touchdown out of a guy. I would take letting him go with his instincts over over coaching him over the long run. In this case, it didn't work. I also don't want to make, I also don't want to take a player's aggressiveness away from him though. Especially when he thinks he's got, He's going to score because anything can happen on a field goal. We saw early in the game, Winnipeg's battery had an issue. A bad snap caused a missed field goal. Anything can happen if he decides to fall down at the 30-yard line. Sean White's an awesome kicker. As a Winnipeg fan, I'd think the game was over, too, if if Rhymes had fallen down at the 30-yard line. 95% isn't 100%. If he thinks he got a chance to score and finish the game, why not? Yeah. Yeah. And he had two two bombers in pursuit, but he also he was looking at a wide open field in front of him. So it's just right. like, you know, the instinct. He is got there. caught from behind because he got slowed down by the missed tackles. Yeah. Yep. And Jamal Parker made a really nice effort play yep. to catch him. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, just this game had a little bit of everything. Oh, did want to say this too. How good is Oliveira going to get before this is over? I mean, here this dude is. He's been unstoppable on the run this year. And in the second half, he's catching passes too as well. I mean, th- this guy is chasing the MOP in the Great Cup at this point. Yeah. If he had <laughs> one more gear, a breakaway gear, he would be the best running back I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. As it is, he's one of the best. And yeah. I'm talking about... 30 plus years of watching football. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's that he's kind of, awesome. and, and it's a real nice difference to see because remember early last year, he had struggles because he was trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. once he remembered, I'm Brady Oliveira. I'm here for a reason. Play my own style. He's been the best running back in the CFL. Right, yeah. Looking scary going forward. Uh, some of these games this week really showed. I mean, I, it, you know, it feels like these these playoff matchups in the second round are inevitable. Uh, it feels like we're going to get a Toronto Montreal second round. It feels like we're going to get a BC Winnipeg second round. It feels like we're going to get Toronto in the Grey Cup versus one of those top two teams in the West. And looking at this past two, three, four weeks, uh, these games are going to be dandies. Can't wait for the playoffs this year. Um, all right, going on, going on to, oh my God. This was the nightmare game of the week for Saskatchewan fans, obviously, and for, I think, Alouettes fans. <laughs> Hamilton Tiger Cats, 38, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 13. Um, Joe, where has this Tiger Cats defense been all year? Do you want to hear? I I think Coach Phil pissed him off. I think that's what happened. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Would you like to hear a scary stat if you are a Montreal fan? Oh, please. You're allowed to say no, but I'm still going to tell you. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Hamilton hasn't lost. Hamilton hasn't lost to a team not named Toronto since August. Yep. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, and I'll yeah. admit, I was ready to write them off at Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Like I was wasn't entirely convinced that they would even make the playoffs. Yeah. And if they would, they would be where Saskatchewan is right now, which is. Okay, you're the sixth seed just because there's three teams worse than you somehow. And they've changed that and good on them. Well, yeah, but to be fair, that was about the same time you and Travis were talking on this show about the Eastern crossover at the same time. So that was that was the point in the season, August, when it looked like there was, you know, four viable teams in the whole league. So so to be fair. Um, all right. So what do we have here? We have Bo Levy Mitchell making his reappearance, uh, but only yeah. playing the first quarter. Uh, of course, starts off with the 88-yard pass. Oh, my God. But then closes the first quarter with that bizarre grounding the grounding the football out of the end zone for the safety. So kind of a mixed bag out of Bo Levy Mitchell, although he looked pretty good. He did look pretty good in his limited time. Good to have him back. I, yeah. I would... It would be a lot of fun, unless you're a Montreal or Toronto fan, to have Bo come back and show at least some of the old Bo for the rest yeah. of the season. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. He'd look great. Yeah, it'd be good for football. Uh, not so good for my elves. Uh, looked really good in the quarter that he played. And then Matt Schultz came in, and he looked really good. 16 of 19 for 227 yards, two TDs, one interception. Um but again, I mean, for me, this was about the defense, you know, uh, with the exception of getting burned by Jamal Morrow on, I guess it was around a 30-yard run where he just went to the left side and just had nothing but daylight for about, you know, radius of about 10 yards. Aside from that, they looked 
fantastic. I mean, this is the defense I'm ex- I've been expecting to see all season. I think this was the defense that those who who picked uh, them to be in the Grey Cup this season was looking for all season. I mean, they're generating turnovers. They're getting to the quarterback as a matter of rote. Um, there. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This one too. I wrote this one down. Uh, for me, a big one was the yards after catch. Um, really finally, you know, getting to these guys before they can get away just 65 yards after the catch on 179 total yards passing. So really just wrapping up everybody. Now, how much can we put down to this Tiger Cats defense is going to be scary going forward versus the riders who seem completely lost at this point? No, I think the bombers broke them at Banjo Ball. Mm. They haven't been the same team since. Yeah. Yeah. You may be right. You may be right. And they still, can they still throw this away? Oh yeah. Realistically speaking. I mean, we eliminated Ottawa this week and we eliminated Edmonton this week. All but they've got. Calgary, left is- but Calgary goes, Calgary hosts Saskatchewan next week. Right. And then I want to say both teams have one more game. Now, Calgary's going into BC, but BC might be resting starters at that point. Yep. Oh, Calgary gets, I'm sorry. Yeah, Calgary has the Cal- extra game. Calgary, yeah, Calgary has the extra game. Yep. And they get both BC and Winnipeg, who by that point may be resting starters. Whereas Saskatchewan gets Toronto, who even if they're resting starters are still a number yeah. one Team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Toronto looked really good this week. Uh, wow. I, it's just unthinkable. Uh, again, during uh, for the Banjo Bowl, you had your typical nerves going into that game, you know, because wacky things happen during the Banjo Bowl, wacky things happen during the Labor Day weekend. But Winnipeg, you know, had not much of a problem with the riders there. But, and, since then, like you said, the Riders have just not seemed like a viable playoff team anymore. Just seems incredible that they could still throw this thing away. And yeah, that, they and, had you know, they had a bit they had a bit of a surge in August and yeah, yeah. on Labor Day, and then after that, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, in any case, uh, this is going to come down to, like I said at the top of the show, this is going to come down to the riders backing in or the Stamps happy to be there going into the playoffs. And again, and I think in a football playoff tournament, you don't want to be either one of those teams. So we'll see, but wow. Um, riders fans cannot, cannot be happy this week. Uh, finally, ended the week with, and I breathed a sigh of relief throughout this game, that's for sure. Montreal Alouettes 29, Ottawa Red Blacks 3. Uh, the Red Blacks, I feel like, will be happy when this season is over. They're about ready for this thing to end. Uh, Dustin Crum especially really um, looked to me like, okay, this guy's not running anymore. You know, uh, he's he's... As soon as pressure comes, he was overthrowing a lot of his receivers. I think he's tired of taking the most sacks in the league. So 
Red Blacks eliminated. I wonder if I wonder if Crum is even going to play the rest of the season. Do you think they'll Do you think they'll have him at QB? I'm not sure, but if Ottawa's going to play a quarterback not named Dustin Crum, it better not be Nick Arbuckle because why? <laughs> at this point, we know what he is, and unfortunately, uh, it's just not good enough to run a CFL team. So if you're going to not have Crum play, if you think Crum shell-shocked, you want to get him out of the line of fire, you want to yeah. see what you have else, elsewhere, Tyrell Pigram, do it. Yeah. He looked good in the preseason. He wasn't really fit in Winnipeg to be that third quarterback that runs the sneak because that's how they have their lineup designed. He's doing it in Ottawa. I'm not – it still doesn't have the body type for it, really, but – it's better for them to have a guy with some promise as their third quarterback instead of just somebody that's big and can plunge over the line yeah. because they need all the help they can get. They need some hope again. Yeah. We're, I feel like we've been sitting here the last three, four seasons going at this time of year going, where's the hope in Ottawa? Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing longtime fans. And I said this last year too, but it's even more apparent this year. Mm-hmm. Longtime fans are sitting there going, why am I even here anymore? Yeah, I don't know if they have an Ottawa Sports Hall of Fame. But I'm starting to think at this point that they should just rename it the Henry Burris Ottawa Sports Hall of Fame. Because, wow, as we get further and further and further from those miracle appearances of the Red Blacks in the Grey Cup, it's becoming more and more obvious that, wow, Burris just carried this team because, man, without him in that history, it's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, this is just has just not been a viable franchise. And, of course, you know, I've been harping on this since week one this year, is that, you know, they didn't do much of anything in the offseason. Um, it's, it's almost as though they're playing with it as a small market team in the NFL, um, just didn't go out there, made some nice changes on the coaching staff. Sure, but coaches can't run the ball in for the touchdown. So or they can't play defensive back either. So Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. How about that? How about that? Um You know how so- I how convinced I was that this game was gonna be a nothing game. The this was played on Canadian Thanksgiving, noon central start. It's unfortunately not a holiday in my line of work, but I've been known to take either a half day or a whole day off, especially if they're running a double header. Then I'm taking a full day off. Like, forget <laughs> it. I'll enjoy myself, watch some CFL, have an extra weekend day. Hey, yeah. it's Thanksgiving. Didn't even, yeah, didn't even cross my mind this year to do that. Wow. We should tell you how low on the totem pole I thought this game was going to be. And this is a, and I would, and if I had the choice, I'd watch every game every week, like start to finish. Mm-hmm. This one just didn't even cross my mind to change my schedule for. No, nope. wow. I'd sit in there. I didn't even listen to the radio, nothing. I just knew Ottawa wasn't going to come out with anything. Wow. Gee, I, uh, I was ready for this one. Uh, I didn't have to stay up late. I didn't have to get up obscenely early here in Europe to watch this game. This is also why I realized, you know what? I don't have to, I don't even have to have anything intelligent to say about this one. Cause you were, I knew you were going to be watching it. So yeah. 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 I, yeah. I enjoyed this because 
damn, all year. And Montreal is heading towards this final uh, stat line, if you will, on this team where they are in a position to go winless against the top three teams in the CFL this year and go undefeated against the other five, which is just absolutely insane. The only team of that bottom four that we haven't swept uh, so far this year is Edmonton because we haven't played them yet. We get them, I think, next week. Uh, but if, you know, if we win that game, we'll sweep, quote-unquote, the Elks one to nothing this year. And again, the Alouettes look really, really good against these bottom teams. Now, one of these bottom teams to this point has been the Tiger Cats. And of course, we're we're going to get them in the first round. Um, the magic number for the Alouettes is now one uh, for that number two, and thus the home game in the first round of the playoffs. But, gee, I mean, I mean, again, okay, here's Cody Fajardo, 28 of 32 for 272, and a touchdown versus one interception. Really, and really the interception was his only bad pass in the entire game. Uh, just looking really good. Uh, kudos to Sean Lemon, who really has been coming on in this past month, month and a half. Uh, got his 100th career sack. A lot was made about that. Um, and for me, the stat of the game was, and it, I guess this is one from Statistics Don't Lie, was third quarter time of possession, 12 and a half to two and a half. And that's when, you know, the Alouettes really took over. That's when, if you had been watching this game, Joe, you would have turned it off. Um, the Red Blacks have not scored a touchdown in seven of the past eight quarters in this back-to-back -back against Montreal. Uh, they didn't score at all in six of the eight quarters of these games, only scoring in the fourth quarter in both of these games. So I guess as Alouettes fans, the best we can hope for is to keep this up against the Tiger Cats in that first round game and get to the Eastern playoffs. Cause I don't see anybody getting past the Argos. Uh, it's a little bit early to be talking about this, Joe, but in the last game that they played against Toronto, the Alouettes actually gave them a game. Uh, came within one score of winning. Getting ahead of ourselves, do I have any hope in the Eastern Conference? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you do. Okay. You do. Okay. What's the hope? You're there. <laughs> you, you, you're in the game. You win the game. You're in the Grey Cup. That's your hope. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah. Now, you're probably not going to put your life savings on the line on that one. <laughs> but you're there. Things happen. The ball isn't ball isn't round. It's an odd shape. Sometimes mm -hmm. it bounces weird. Who knows what happens if Chad Kelly goes down right away? Could always that could be a thing. He could be he could be knocked out of the game on the first play. Toronto's really deep. Maybe they just don't play their best game. Mm -hmm. It's there mm -hmm. we've seen weirder things happen in the cfl yeah like toronto <laughs> like toronto winning these great cups coming down as the underdog at a nine and nine record and winning these great cups so yeah again like i mentioned this way back earlier in the season maybe this is the year when toronto gets upset 
as the prohibitive favorite on the way to the Great Cup. That's my only hope is is the freaky upset. Uh, I should have been an Argos fan all these years. Okay, so yep, sorry. So we're actually late enough in the week where the official playoff scenarios have come out. Yep. It's our favorite part of the show at this time of year, and we've kind of been missing it. At least I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I got them in front of me if you want me to go through them real quick. Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I know that Montreal, their magic number against the Ticats is one, right? Yep, we'll start and- there. A Montreal win or a Hamilton loss, and Montreal is hosting the East Semi. Mm-hmm. So that's the East. So in the West, a Saskatchewan win means they have secured third place. They'd have seven wins. Calgary would have 12 losses. Game over. We're done there. A BC loss means that Winnipeg claims the West title and will host the West final. And BC will host the West semi. It's another situation where the magic number is one. It's just Winnipeg's got a buy this week, so it's less likely to happen than the other one. Um, just a note on the Western playoffs picture for the third spot. A Calgary win this week secures the season series over Saskatchewan, yeah. and they'd be tied in the loss column. <laughs> Not the win column because Calgary is one game back yeah. or has one or one game in hand. If they turn that into a win, all of a sudden they're in that third spot. So, just incredible. And then we are otherwise, we are all set. Otherwise, I don't believe a crossover is in play anymore for any way, shape, or form since Ottawa and Edmonton are both out of yeah. here and Calgary is at 11 losses. So, yeah. I think that's it for this week. Yeah, that number team, that number three team in the East for the first time in forever is legit this year. So <laughs> happy as as yes, as a fan. And now of the in the West, team. it's questionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first time in a long time, that number six team is going to be the Western team, no matter which way this shakes out. Because you have to believe that Hamilton is playing better football than the Riders or the Stamps right now. Uh, again, both of those teams are sort of backing into this this off season so okay so you brought this up uh bc is is you know one game away either way one magic number away from the playoffs um or from that number one seed hamilton two also needs every game they get and we start off the game uh we start off the week with bc lions at hamilton so I mean, Hamilton has been playing their best ball of the year this past couple of months. So what do you see in this game? Well, if Hamilton can do can mimic the Bombers and get pressure on Vernon and keep tight with the receivers and not give Vernon yes. a chance to pick apart his own, they're as likely they'll have a chance. I don't see them handling the pass rush as well as Winnipeg did. They don't. They have James Butler. Do they want to use him enough to make it worthwhile? That's another question. BC is traveling east for this one, and it is a six p or a seven p.m. Eastern start. So we're not talking about any sort of time issue here, but we are talking about a travel issue. It's tight. I just I think BC has. And I've maintained this from almost 
since the start of the season, BC has the highest ceiling of any team in this league right now, as far as any given game goes. Mm-hmm. I also think they have the lowest floor of the top three teams. And Winnipeg's already went out east to Hamilton and lost. So it's not, un- it's not out of the question for Hamilton to pull this one off at all. I just think BC's got the better matchup here because Hamilton doesn't have the type of offense that I think is going to be able to handle BC's pass rush as well as Winnipeg did. Winnipeg's did. And Winnipeg had struggles with the pass rush last week, even when they won the game. So mm-hmm. I could see BC and BC is probably a little bit pissed off that Hamilton walked into BC place about a month right. ago and kicked the crack out of them. Right. Right. Yeah. Without yep. with everything to play for. Yeah, I think I think I think we see a fired up BC team. I think BC pulls us off. Yeah, BC's got to start the week. They can't afford to wait around and look at the result of the Winnipeg game. Um. Yeah, for me, uh, for me, you gotta wonder if yes, Hamilton took out uh, BC earlier this season. However, like I had said before, I think that that's when BC made the adjustments, came back with a completely different looking offense, and has been scoring points in bunches ever since. Hamilton, yeah, they put up thirty eight against the proverbial hapless uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders last week. He but said it, not me, but I do yeah, believe well, it. <laughs> well i hope i don't have to wear a tie cats outfit like coach phil did but uh so you know hamilton puts up 38 points last week but then before that it's 22 it's 14 it's okay 29 against winnipeg and another upset hamilton has just been the king of upsets this year uh it's 27 versus ottawa when other teams are scoring 30 um so i'm just not sure that they can keep pace with bc because bc is going to put up a lot of points i don't care who they're playing right now they're going to put up a lot of points i mean i was surprised that they put up 26 against winnipeg this week uh, considering what winnipeg was able to do in that second half but i just wonder if hamilton can keep up i think that this game is probably going to be close in the final scoreboard but i like bc probably minus a few points i think this yeah this this one was hard I I just felt like that would be too far to go to make a Hamilton pick. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked though if they took the game. I would be shocked. I would be kind of shocked if Hamilton if this Hamilton team beats this BC team twice in a year. That yeah. would be that's a tough sell for me. Yeah, but. Yeah. It's not out of the question either. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Again, Winnipeg is playing their best ball right now of the season. So um, wouldn't, wouldn't be a shocker, but I'm, I'm still taking BC in this game. Okay. So now the second game with the direct playoff implications, uh, the riders at Calgary stampeders, um, <laughs> two teams kind of going backwards at this point. Uh, gee, I don't know. Is, is Calgary gonna, is Calgary going to pack the place? I guess would be the first question. And the second no. question is, is which of these teams can pull out of the tailspin? Calgary. I think Calgary has been the better team all season. They just had a lot of crappy late game luck. Yeah. 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 Well, plus they have a, they have a quarterback who can't go long. 
soon. Mm, there was a patch of this season, like uh, again, August, early September, where Saskatchewan was clearly the better team. But Cal- I feel like Calgary's Calgary has taken all the losses this year that they used to take from other teams. Yes. I don't think they're as bad as 4-11 is. I see them going to 5-11 and this week. Wow. And if they can do that, I'm thinking Saskatchewan just completely folds the tent because it looks like they have already. If they can't finish it off this week, I don't think they do. Yeah, I I think I'll, I'll th- I think I'll take Calgary with you. Uh, this has been a motif on this show that again this these are not the stamps of old. This is a team that is not uh, able to take advantage of the opportunities that they used to. And again, this for me the long ball is missing on offense. On the well, other hand, you don't necessarily need it against Saskatchewan though, because yeah. Saskatchewan uh, just doesn't like to get doesn't like to get physical on defense yeah the tackling is dicey even yep. at the best of times you yep. start run you start getting the running backs going and forget it yep it sure has seemed like that this season and especially in this last game when hamilton was pursuing hamilton was getting to the quarterback hamilton was wrapping up these receivers directly after the catch and uh the riders just were not <laughs> so uh this third game, so yeah, I'll take the stamps as well. So this third game is Alouettes at Elks. Now, hard to tell what's happening here because if Hamilton loses, Montreal is about as you know high as they're going to get. They have that number two seed sewn up. That's it, no question. Yes, these teams are playing in week 21. <laughs> so ultimately, Montreal and Hamilton get the back back-to-back between Week 21 and the playoffs. Uh, So I I can't really say anything about this game. I can't believe that Montreal won't use this as a tune-up if Hamilton uh, loses. And so depending on the Hamilton game, I would take Edmonton. I think Trey Ford's going to bounce back from, again, uh, probably his worst game of the season. Wasn't god-awful by the way but statistically just not his best game wasn't able to 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 run and uh find his receivers at will like he has been the past four or five weeks uh so yeah i'm gonna do an if then i'm gonna say uh if hamilton wins montreal wins this game if hamilton loses i'm gonna take edmonton in this game i consider doing the same thing but i think with only one day between Hamilton's game and Montreal's game. Even if Hamilton loses, your game plan's set, your roster's set, your depth chart's set, and you've got a bye next week and then a meaningless tilt against Hamilton in week 21 if Hamilton has lost, of course. So I don't see why you don't run your starters at least one more time. That way, you take the bye, you play them a few a few series against Hamilton in week twenty one to stay sharp, and then you and then you're into the playoffs. You're already going to have almost two full weeks worth of rest for your starters in the scenario that Hamilton loses. 
So why not give your starters one more run? Maybe pull them in the third, fourth quarter if you really feel like it. But mm. you've made your game plans. You know what's going on. You're going to have two weeks after this. Just go ahead and run run them out there. Yeah. 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 It's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. It's going to be hard to game plan for the second string in 24 hours. So, yeah. Um, gotta say, too, I did mention it before, but gotta say, loving what Tyson Philpott is doing. Wow. He was, he was fantastic in this game. Seemed to always be open last week uh, there. So, be it would be great to see him actually play the full game. So kind of hoping that Montreal does play the starters, at least for like you implied three quarters. I was just looking back at this uh, just now and wow. So schedule makers, bit of an odd decision here on Friday. These games are going to overlap. They've been doing that. Yeah. And it's really not much of an overlap. You see an eight thirty central start, nine thirty Eastern, what have yeah. you. They're usually not kicking the ball off until 45 past the hour. Right. And then you've only got an overlap for maybe the last five minutes of the, of the first game. Yeah. And if there's, and if the first game's a blowout, it's really easy to flip over. Well, if yeah. not, you've missed a couple drives. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. 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 Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Calgary is uh, quite a bit more meaningful, I think, than BC, uh, Hamilton. Um, so, yeah, switch over, folks. <laughs> All right. Last game. Ugh, what can you say? Ottawa Red Blacks looking to score before the fourth quarter uh, against the Toronto Argonauts. Jeez. Uh, mismatch. Mismatch of the week. You have to take the Argos Toronto. Could, the Argos could play 1873 style and win this week. <laughs> yeah. They're going to they're play this game without the forward pass. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't well, know I mean, he... I, I mean, Ottawa does too, right? <laughs> wow, uh, wow. Okay, that no. was a little bit cruel. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Just a little. Bit. Uh, here's, I mean, here's here's one team. I think again, waiting for the season to be over. Here's another team waiting for the playoffs to begin. Uh, wow, I can't imagine that this will have many eyeballs on it at all. A lot of people were complaining how last week uh, Toronto wasn't filling these stands uh, for you know their game. But on the other hand, you look over here at the baseball playoffs, and you know a team like Tampa Bay Rays. You know, they're selling half the seats for a home playoff game, less than half, actually, 19,000 for that game. So you can't really blame the Toronto fans at this point. Naturally, you have to hope that uh, they can put some butts in the seats for that Eastern Championship game this year. But we'll see. I mean, do you do you see a problem here. I mean, Toronto, this has been a theme of this show since we started uh, that you got to worry about the Toronto fan base, biggest city no. in, in Canada, you know, 150 year history. And yet they're having problems selling these tickets, um, but they should, they should be okay for the championship game. Don't you think? I would imagine they'll have a nice crowd for the championship game. And it's also not a league that's entirely based off of gate revenue anymore. Hmm. And then you also have the fact that Toronto games are pretty well rated, so they're make they're helping make the league CV money. So yeah. whether there's 17k in the stands or 20k, is it going to make or break them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to sit here and count seats. I'm just going to go, you know what? It'll, it'll work itself out. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because their ratings have been really awesome this year. And so I think, yeah, CFL fans are obviously discerning because, wow, this team has been really special this year. Uh, going forward, we can expect more, I think, of that. So, okay, great. Um, which of these, if any, I mean, Winnipeg's off this week. So which of these, are, if any, are you looking forward to the most? Friday night. <laughs> yeah. You got two games with. Massive playoff implications. Well, well, maybe not massive playoff implications, but you're going to have one team eliminated from its its best its best standing possible, BC and Hamilton, mm-hmm. and then you have a game that may that's going to go a long way to determining who's third place in the in the West. So there is a doomsday scenario in here for the league, though. As far as, as far as the last two weeks being meaningful in any way go, mm, yeah. H- Hamilton winning on Friday night, which means BC's second, Winnipeg's first. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you have Saskatchewan beating Calgary, so third place in the West is sorted. And then Montreal beats Edmonton, making Hamilton's victory meaningless. Right. Your playoffs are set, and you still have two weeks of regular season games to go. So that would that would not really help drive ratings or attendance for the last two weeks, <laughs> to be sure. So actually, so, uh, so there's so the, so the, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a few people in league office that are going. Let's not have that play out that way. Right. Right. Those, you know how those... like everybody talks about, especially with your NBA, how the league roots for certain teams to do well so that they make more money. And get better ratings. Well, the CFL has a vested interest in, and hopefully doesn't do anything. And I doubt they would have the ability to anyway, to change any of those results. But they're really rooting for that set of results not to happen. So there's some meaning to the last couple of weeks of the season. Right. Yeah. The league is looking at Hamilton, Calgary, and Edmonton. And going, yeah, we 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 want these three teams to win. Um, although that would wrap up BC. Uh so so yeah, I guess they want BC, Calgary, and Edmonton to be winning these first three games to keep everything well, still in play. It, everything can't be in play because BC or Hamilton's gonna be wrapped. Yes. But of BC. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes, but yeah. definitely a Calgary victory keeps the West third place in play, and then whatever else you know, whichever team doesn't lose their chance on Friday night, mm-hmm. as long as Montreal doesn't throw water on Hamilton after Hamilton beats BC, there's still something to play for next week for one of those teams. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Can week twenty one? I guess it can because week twenty. Hamilton and Montreal are both off. So, yeah, if Hamilton and Montreal split this week, so Edmonton wins and Hamilton wins, then that Week 21 game is for is the for second place advantage, right, in that. Yep. In that for, wow, crazy. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not rooting against Montreal. but that right. would certainly So that makes make week, week 21 meaningful at yeah. that point. 
Yeah. A Calgary win over Saskatchewan means week 20. Winnipeg, Winnipeg and Calgary is meaningful. There goes in red plaques. Or I'm sorry. Week 20 is Calgary, Calgary, BC. Yeah. Week 20 is Calgary, BC. So that's meaningful if Calgary, yep. especially if Calgary wins, it's meaningful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto, Saskatchewan would be meaningful yet because Saskatchewan still has a chance. Still in it. <laughs> yep. Elks and Bombers can't be meaningful. Well, could be meaningful, I guess, if BC wins the next two. Right. So there's right. a chance that all three week 20 games are meaningful and there's a chance that none of them are right right and then week 20 really the only game that can't be meaningful are the only two games that can't be meaningful as we sit right now are toronto ottawa and toronto ottawa yeah anything involving ottawa yeah 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 yeah, and toronto together so yep that wipes that out yeah. But you could have you could have a lot of weird combinations come in where everything's meaningful or nothing's meaningful or a few are. <laughs> it's just you could wipe out the last two weeks of the season with an exact combo this week. Yep. 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 But again, like neither of us is picking that because because I really can't see no. right now. I can't see the riders it on would a five ha- game losing streak. I can't see them winning. No. Six no. games, I think, for the riders. I don't see all three of those things happening. Yeah. That's, yep. that's a little bit far fetched for me. Yep. And watch that exactly happen. And then we have nothing to talk about for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll take the week 20 by if everything is iced this week. Um, right. Okay. Great. Uh, that's what to look for next week, week 19. Uh, we will wrap this show here. Uh, wrapping week 18 officially, finally. Sorry for the late this week, schedule difficulties. And uh, we will be back next week here on the Rouge, White, and Blue. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. We'll talk to you next week, probably. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.